Welcome to the Wandering Pilgrims podcast. I am pretty excited to say that it looks like we will be finishing Mm -hmm. our series on the Pilgrim's Progress tonight. (laughs) So, that's pretty exciting. Um, Thank you for joining us again, especially considering it is the conclusion. And if you have stuck with us through all of this, (laughs) thank you for that. Um, So, I guess just a little background and a little information and then we can dive in um so we've been going over pilgrim's progress written by john bunyan in the 1600s the second best-selling christian book (laughs) Mm -hmm. of all time um that's kind of started to fall out of favor in the last few decades um we hope that we can help remedy that (laughs) uh but We are going to go over the conclusion and the final stage of Pilgrim's Progress tonight. So, um, spoiler alert, (laughs) Uh, we definitely recommend reading along with us or reading it before you listen to all of this. Um, Or you can always read it and come back to this as a reference, I guess. Um, So, what all did we talk about last time? Faithful... Or not faithful. <laughs> I still keep talking about faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, most of last episode was about Hopeful's testimony. Yeah. Um, so go and check that out. It was the 10th episode of the Pilgrim's Progress series for us. Um, and tonight, I'm excited to see Christian and Hopeful complete their journey mm-hmm. and how it goes. So I guess, without any further ado... Let's get started. All right. So, we just finished Hopeful and Christian's discussion pretty much on his testimony and how he came to be on the highway, mm-hmm. on, on the narrow path. Um. And then the next thing, there's a lot of dialogue here at the end while they're just walking. Um, So then ignorance comes back into view Mm -hmm. for them. And they start talking about how sorry they feel for him Mm -hmm. and how much they pity him. Um, And the, the quote is made that he's blinded their eyes or else they'll they'll see mm-hmm. um so he he's been blinded basically to the truth yeah. and yet he's still on this journey um so i guess for me i look at that bit of dialogue as how sin affects the ignorant mm-hmm they don't think of it as the information as useful, um, as like a useful um, conviction. Yeah. Um, so it's more of a guilt. That I mean, that's how I think of it. It's not, they don't know enough to be able to discern conviction versus guilt. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know that guilt is of God. 
or if it's more of a conviction of, you know, you've you've sinned, you need to recognize that you've done yeah. so. Yeah, it's more of a symptom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're talking and they're talking about, you know, that basically that they don't think it's useful and then they'll kind of flatter themselves, pat themselves on the back. Mm-hmm. And they just keep assuming that they're right. And by right, I take that to mean they keep assuming that they're saved. Mm -hmm. Because when ignorance comes into this story, I don't just think of him as somebody that doesn't believe and has never heard. I take ignorance as somebody that is in the faith or has been exposed to the faith Mm -hmm. and thinks they are part of the faith, whether they still go to church, whether they left the church but think they're saved because they prayed a prayer one time or whatever. That's kind of where I feel ignorance is, and I feel that we have a lot of ignorance now Yeah. within the church. And the church doesn't um, encourage learning, mm-hmm. true learning. Um, and I'm sure people would argue that with me about, you know, if they went to a church when they were a kid, oh, my pastor really taught, or or now, you know, mine's really good at this, or I've got a great influence in church that helps me learn. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, my question then is, is, first of all, that's great, and I hope that's true. But are you questioning it? Because you, as a Christian, you always have to be questioning. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the Word and you don't have a good, strong prayer life at the same time, and a good, strong Community and by community of faith, I'm not talking makes you feel good and all smiles and always happy and happy to be there. And some of the most depressed people I've ever met in my life are happy or quote unquote happy. They hide it well. Yeah. You know, they, they go about their routine and that's how they hide it, um, which is very sad. But I just, I don't take this as people that aren't exposed to the word. And I just feel like today mm-hmm. you don't have, I, I don't know if we've ever gotten it right in the church throughout history, but you certainly had periods where you had the great awakening and then you had revival, like true revival. I'm not saying a yearly revival that we mm-hmm. have at a certain time at church. Yeah. It's scheduled. Mm-hmm. Revival's not scheduled. <laughs> but I don't I just I don't understand. I, I find this very important for our times yeah. as Christians. Mm-hmm. Because I think our generation at least, I'm not too sure about the ones that come after. We really hunger for knowledge. Yeah. Not just somebody Telling us something up there. Yeah, we want to figure it out. We want to find out on our own. Yeah, and, and we want to be yeah. taught how to learn. Mm-hmm. Does that come from a book? Or a class? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's my question. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very much a person that learns from books. More yeah. than videos. I, I learn from books. Mm-hmm. But to me... I don't need a teacher to teach me to read the Bible. Yeah. And I don't need a book to help me learn how to mm-hmm. read the Bible. Because, and 
I don't know. I just, to me, God is the ultimate teacher, and it's His Word. Yeah, well, I mean, the entire that the entire Bible is designed specifically to teach you. Yeah. How to live in your faith. Well, then why do you need something to guide you while reading portions, or, or say it's a study on a particular book of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Is well, it beneficial? Is is kind of or does it help you be less ignorant? I think there are things that can be, um, so long as it doesn't give a specific interpretation of what it says that tries to that would be to lean you to one way or the other, right? If it if it's giving you say you're so I've done this with Genesis, mm-hmm. where I've read Genesis and then I've taken a class mm-hmm. like over the online to be able to look at it and read it again from a literary perspective yeah that was how, helpful how everything like as far as a literary work comes together how it's structured how it's structured um and it definitely gave me a different perspective when I was reading it again um, but it didn't necessarily lean me one way or the other. Well, I guess what I'm... Because I agree with you about the interpretation. And mm-hmm. I agree with you that there's nothing wrong with trying to learn about the Bible or particular books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I love archaeology, especially biblical archaeology. Yeah. And learning that way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's in the ground. It's hardcore fact, you know. Yeah. I, I like that. And I like learning that way. But we're not talking about a show that's trying to bend, or at least I'm not talking about a show that's trying to basically just say, okay, we found walls of Jericho here. Yeah. And they're, they've fallen down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not interpreting anything. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm afraid of is if you're taking a class... Or whether it's college, whether it's school, whether it's seminary, mm-hmm. whether it's just local. I'm always, I mean, you know me, when we started doing Bible studies, I never wanted to go first because I'm the one with the notes and it, yeah. I don't want to lead people. Yeah. I don't, I want to know what you read mm-hmm. and what you got from it like Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts going through this because it gives you a perspective on the person it can help you know if they're going through something yeah um and i just think that's very important because god is (laughs) he structured it the way that he did he inspired Mm -hmm. it the way that he did man tinkering with it dumbing it down is messing with it yeah and if if you're taking if you're taking a, a study course or something online that's on, say, John. Yeah. And goes, okay, well, you need to read it this way. Well, look for this. Mm-hmm. So you're already... Yeah, you're already, you're already tilted. Bend. You're yeah. already having a bend. Yeah. Okay, so look for this. Okay, well, now I know how to look for that. Well, now you're going to look for that. Yeah. That You're listening to what's on the paper. You're not listening... You're not listening. 
Yeah. It's the same difference as when you quote it out of context. That's what I'm what worried you, about. What you can do, when you quote the Bible out of context, like it's just a snippet, just a tiny verse. Yeah. To it, get a point across. When you quote it out of context, you can give it a bend. You can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. You could, I, you can quote the Bible six ways to Sunday to make it mean whatever you want. Unless you read it in its context. And if you read an entire passage or chapter or whatever, if, if, if that verse is, is placed where it's supposed to be placed, you, there's no other context that you can get from it than what was intended. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just, I'm so, there's, there's been a lot of prosperity gospel and stuff in my feed lately yeah. with prosperity preachers and stuff lately. Mm-hmm. And they, they all write books. So it's got me thinking about books. And then when ignorance came up, I'm like, so you've got books out there that are on John or on, or on Paul's works or on Old Testament or yeah. whatever that are like, read with me Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, like we're yeah. we're going through this book to go through this book. Mm-hmm. Well, look for these key terms. Do you know how this sounds to me? It sounds to me like I'm studying for a history test and picking out keywords. Yeah. yeah. I'm not read. I'm not listening to what's going on in the text mm-hmm. because I have a study guide. Yeah. Over here, telling I mean, me how to read it and what to read and what to look for. Well, here, here's a question um, for everyone. What do you remember out of your 12th grade history book? I guarantee you I remember a lot more than you. <laughs> I don't remember anything. That's because I'm a history nerd, though. No, I, I know history. Yeah. I can't tell you a single word. Well, I'll probably tell you a single word. But I can't tell you anything that I remember from that book. And it's because I didn't read the book. No, you I was used given, it. I was I used the book. I was giving, given a study guide or given some kind of other book, and I used the textbook as reference. You were given a workbook? For the workbook? Yeah. So that I could learn specific things to pass the test. See, that's what I'm worried about. Because what you're doing is taking a, govern, uh, a, a, a standard public education style... Of learning and applying it to a to a, to an ancient text that is supposed to be read from cover to cover. Yeah, or at not, least one book at a time. Yeah, if if you don't go not in order, nitpicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's. I think that's ultimately what mm-hmm. I'm getting at with this with ignorance and what they mm-hmm. were talking about because that's what I worry about at this point. Because colleges still work that way. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone going to seminary, and that's how they do seminary, yeah. then they're going to pass it along through their church. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody that went through government-run school especially mm-hmm. is going to think it's all normal because that's how they normally went through school and that's how pastor went through school and seminary. And I mean, it's normal. Yeah. But just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's the most beneficial. Yeah. There's a reason that you're supposed to spend time in the Word by itself. Yeah. 
nobody throughout history up until probably our parents' generation had study books to study the Bible. Mm. I mean, they had they had books in college for pastors that Mm -hmm. time. If the pastor even went to college for being a pastor. To learn about doctrine and Mm -hmm. to learn about history and to learn about these kinds of things for more rich knowledge of the era and the geography and the traditions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Not so much what we have today. And I know that the most well-read person biblically that I ever knew, mm-hmm. which we've talked about, my papa, mm-hmm. he didn't go to college. Mm-mm. He went to trade school. He knew what he knew from praying and reading. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, if that's the person... I mean, nobody's perfect, but he was as close as <laughs> I can imagine. Mm-hmm. If that's the model, then why do I need all of this other stuff to clutter up my brain? Yeah. It gets in the way of time between just me and God, because now I have me and an author and God. Mm-hmm. And it scares me because we've had so many generations at this point of typical schooling or that's the typical way of doing it Mm -hmm. just because it's typical doesn't mean it's best just because but yeah i mean the state of learning Mm -hmm. which is the only way that you eliminate ignorance Mm -hmm. in i would say our country much less churches is lacking Mm-hmm. at this point and just reading about ignorance and listening to this just it really hits it home to me about mm-hmm. all of that and like the next part they start talking about the, the fear of the Lord is necessary mm-hmm. um, to help you grow and help you find salvation and stay on the path um, they, they try to like stifle the the Fear. People mm-hmm. try to stifle the fear, yeah. thinking that fear is evil. It's it's of it's of Satan. It's, mm-hmm. it's the enemy, but it never occurs to them. Fear the Lord. Like it never occurs to them. Yeah. Well, if you're not taught, if all you're taught is love, mm-hmm. then there's no hate. There's no negative mm-hmm. there, and yet we're told that there's a negative aspect if we God is the positive and heaven's the positive mm-hmm. hell sin and hell is the yeah. negative and I I know that I read it was a Paul Washer quote mm-hmm. and he was talking about this and it was you know people say that, that God is love so there can be no hate mm-hmm. and he's like I love children therefore I hate abortion yeah He's like, it's just like sin. God can't be in the presence of sin. Bad, evil, it all goes together in Mm -hmm. a way. It's kind of the way I took it. And he's right. Mm -hmm. You you hate injustice if you love justice. Mm -hmm. And if we don't teach the fear of the Lord, because 
And we dumb it down for kids, too, which bothers me. Yeah. Because, to me, I think that's when you really learn it. Mm-hmm. If you have the fear of the Lord instilled in you, and I'm not talking like scared of the boogeyman. Yeah. That kind of fear. No. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is like the respect for your parents. Yeah. And we know what happens to children who don't grow up mm-hmm. with a way of being taught to dis- to uh, respect their parents. Mm-hmm. So to me, it goes hand in hand. If you're a Christian and you're raising a child, they need to understand that you need to fear the Lord with the same type of fear and respect that you should fear and respect your parents. Yeah. Not that you're afraid of them, but that you don't want to disappoint them. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bring dishonor yeah. to your house. And for me, that's really where the Old Testament comes in. Teaching you about the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. which is hardly ever taught on now, at least not in context, large context. Because yeah. if... The ten plagues of Egypt don't kind of make you afraid. And then the fact that all the grumbling they did in the wilderness made it to where that entire generation died out. Yeah. They never made it. Mm -mm. Well, and then at another point they were complaining, so much so that God sent sent serpents into the camp to bite them, and they die. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, please don't, you know, Moses intercede for us. And I feel for Moses. <laughs> you can so see why much. he gets angry at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was tired. Mm-hmm. I I see why he did. But, and God tells him, he doesn't say, I'll take the serpents away. He doesn't say that I'll kill all the serpents or that, you know, go hold your rod over them and they'll be healed. He says, make a statue or of a snake on a pole. Put it in the middle of camp. Keep in mind, there were 600,000 men that mm-hmm. left Egypt. Yeah. That's just men. That's not men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. This is a big camp. Yeah. Put it in the middle of camp, and if they look on it, if they're bitten, they're healed. Mm-hmm. There's effort there. Yeah. You have to get to the pole mm-hmm. and the snake. You don't get a free ride. Yeah. Just because you said, oh, come help me, I screwed up again, I know. Mm-hmm. At that time, I mean, I think he was pretty dang patient. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of complaining. Yeah. But to me, if you're not teaching this at an early age, it's very hard, I think, to come to the fear of the Lord, true mm-hmm. fear of the Lord, yeah. as an adult. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's something you're supposed to learn in relation to a parent-child kind of relationship, which is much easier to learn as a child. Mm -hmm. Most people don't grow up disrespecting their parents or having no respect for their parents, whichever situation they're in. And then all of a sudden grow up to be adults that, unless they drastically change their lives, Mm -hmm. if they stay the way they are, the kids don't grow up and magically decide that they respect them. Yeah. Well, it also comes into play when you're talking about fear of the Lord. This, um, going back to where we're talking about context, um, especially in the Old Testament, when you're given the entire context of the Old Testament. Yeah. When all of the stories that you would normally, that you learn as a kid, separately 
story of Noah, story of Moses, a story of, you know, Joseph, Joseph and Isaac and like all of, all of these people. The flow of time, it is, it is a map. It's a map to Christ. Of, yeah. Yeah. From Abraham in Genesis all the way up. It is all showing you these interconnected stories of how God's plan to redeem humanity comes together. Yeah. You have Abraham and his family. And his promises made. And his promises made. And you go through the story of Jacob and then Joseph, whose brothers betray him and sell him into slavery into Egypt. And that was used for good and to fulfill Mm -hmm. prophecy. Yeah. And then it ends up that Joseph's entire family moves to the land of Goshen in Egypt, and they become... Massive. This massive nation of people that then return to Canaan mm-hmm. and create the nation of Israel. With a lot of turmoil and ups and downs yeah. in between and screw-ups. But, it, I mean, it you can see the plan unfold yeah. throughout the Old Testament. When When I was a kid, I wasn't given that context. Mm, I was just told the stories. Yeah. That's something that I've tried to do with ours. I mean, ours is a little young for full-on context. But when we do our lessons Mm -hmm. on it, I do one person or event, biblical Mm -hmm. event, per week. And that's all we do all week is different videos, and we try to read about it and everything. Mm-hmm. and so they're from different sources too so that gives the opportunity for maybe this video didn't include this detail but this one does and mm-hmm. so there's a lot there I know I, I can't even say how excited I was on like Wednesday or Thursday when we were doing Joseph and we'd watched several videos throughout the week come Wednesday or Thursday, and there's this part where you see cows coming out of the river, which mm-hmm. is part of Pharaoh's dream. And she looks up and goes, there's seven cows. There weren't seven cows on the screen, mm-hmm. but she she had heard the story enough and was mm-hmm. re- relating it yeah. and knew that there were seven cows there, even if there weren't seven cows on the screen. So, I mean, it's not full-on context, but I keep it in order. Yeah, I want it to build. Because if there's references, I want her to understand those references. And you can't do that if you don't have at least the chronological context of of the heavy hitters Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And we don't really have it that way. It's made a joke. Mm -hmm. It's made a fun game activity to learn the Bible. And I don't know. I mean, learning is good in many forms but mm-hmm. well the issue nowadays is that it's secondary what it's secondary learning you, learning and being a christian is secondary to to being a person in the world ah it's not so your many, main identity so many things are put in front of you your 
a worker at your job. You're, you, you have to be a good worker at your job. You have to be a good husband. You have to be a good wife. You have to be a good father. You have to be a good this. You have to be a good that. First and foremost, you have to be a good Christian to be a good any of those things. It's true. It's true. But what if you think you're being a good Christian by doing all of those things or more? By giving time away, by giving money mm. away, by... You can be, but that's not going to get you into heaven. Could it not also be detrimental to other aspects that you were called mm-hmm. to do first and foremost? Yeah. Because ultimately you're called first and foremost to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then to be a spouse if you're married and then to be whether or not you consider it equal interchangeable or what mm-hmm. a good parent mm-hmm. and those are supposed to be first and foremost well that means that you've got to be present yeah and you've got to actively like you're actively making time for them more than you're actively mm-hmm. making time for the world or friends or work yeah. or whatever because those are very big distractions Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily evil, yeah. In, but they are distractions. Mm-hmm. And for us to assume that our distractions are only ever evil if they're of the devil or yeah. if they're of Satan or the enemy, mm-hmm. I think that's a misconception. And mm-hmm. I think it's a dangerous one. Yeah. Because he doesn't have to hit you with something evil of the world if he can keep you distracted and away from the word and away from prayer mm-hmm. and away from your family yeah. so that you're not teaching them the word and teaching them to pray, teaching them the way that they're supposed mm-hmm. to be in the world and that the world is actively going to work against them, yeah. then he's already won. Yeah. All, all, all you have to have is a really good work ethic. And that can keep you distracted. Yeah. Because you prioritize having a good work ethic and making money progressing in your job even if greed is not in a it. driving force your work ethic because you want to be the best worker that you can be the best at your job that you possibly can be best provider even. best provider you're going to spend more time you're going to think about it more yeah and you're not going to spend the valuable time on what you need to be spending it on yeah I know because I was doing it and I wasn't getting out of it when I needed what, what I felt I should be getting out of it. And then people load in more work if it's the work mm-hmm. ethic, thinking and that that it will was, fix it. Yeah, and it wasn't until I turned around and said, no, I'm, pri- I'm, I'm going to prioritize my Christian life and my family over my work that I actually started to be fulfilled in all of those things? Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, they talk a lot about fear in this, that, you know, like we said, that they think fear is not of God and that fear is detrimental to their faith. Mm-hmm. Well, if fear is detrimental to your faith, then how strong is your faith? Yeah. See, if you want to teach a class, teach people to do critical thinking and ask questions of themselves mm-hmm. and self-reflection yeah. at this point. Because we don't know how to do it. When Paul and them were questioning themselves all the time. Yeah. 
or, or uh, you know, because, I mean, Timothy and them, like, the churches were asking questions, asking mm-hmm. questions all the time because they wanted to do right. They wanted to have good information yeah. and, and to do the right thing. Um, but, and, and then they think that believers shouldn't be afraid. I hear fear not in ringing in my ears when mm-hmm. I think about that. And, but if you think you're not supposed to be afraid, then it makes you kind of puffed up mm-hmm. and, and confident when you really shouldn't be confident. And as I think about all these things and I read through them and I listen to them, it all sounds like a child that grew up for whatever reason, either not having to respect their parents, mm-hmm. not being taught to respect their parents, or something happening to where they were made to not respect their parents. Yeah. That's how all of this sounds to me. Mm-hmm. The progression of it sounds like what happens from a child to an adult yeah. who's not taught that with a parent. Mm-hmm. So, because, I mean, <laughs> that like if you think fear takes away like your, your, self, your self-holiness mm-hmm. and, I mean, you're going to resist that. Yeah. Because if you, if you have to respect somebody you've never respected in your entire life mm-hmm. you got to come down a peg yeah mm-hmm. you you got to say that they're worthy of respect mm-hmm. that they're worthy of of me doing that and working on it and taking the time and trying mm-hmm. here i mean basically that's how all of this is laid out yeah um but it reminds me that they they talked about a man named Temporary. Mm -hmm. So, Temporary was a man of religion. And Mm -hmm. he he dwelled in a place called Graceless, which I think is funny considering that's what Christian's name was to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, And he lives, of course, his neighbor, whose name is Turnback. Um, So they're talking about him right after they're discussing this because... He had been awakened or found his faith mm-hmm. and even wanted to go do what they're doing um, mm. by the narrow gate and, um, and and find the way. But then he met a man named Save Self. Mm-hmm. And then he started backsliding. And of yeah. course, which leads into a whole discussion about backsliding. And they start talking about, you know, it's like, you kind of wake up, but then you go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Or I may not be saying that exactly right, but basically that you're giving given the information and it ties in with ignorance a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and lack of fear of the Lord. <laughs> because you've, you're given the information and then you don't change. Yeah. Like, you're saved, you say the prayer, you do whatever you need to. And uh it it just that's all you do. Mm-hmm. So or you try to do, you know, the pastor preaches a sermon on a particular sin or way of being one Sunday. Well, I've kind of been doing that. So maybe I should do a little better about it. Then a week goes by and you don't have another sermon on it. So you kind of fall back into how you were. Mhm. Because you're not doing the work. Yeah. You're not working on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I, I know you you always bring up the reference because they reference it again about the dog being sick. Yeah. And throwing up and then turning right around. I really hate that analogy. I've said that before. I still hate that analogy. So, it's icky. So the idea is, is that <clears throat> as a dog returns to its vomit, the idea being, and they, ex- they explain it in the dialogue, is that so a dog goes and eats and eats and eats and eats. And it eats enough that it irritates the dog's stomach. So the dog throws all throws up. Because it's either eating too much food or it's eating something that's bad for it. Yeah. So the dog throws it up. And then the dog immediately forgets that it was sick and that it had eaten something that made it ill and that's why it threw up. So it turns right around and laps it all up again. Yeah. It's, I really, it's icky. So it's, it's icky. the idea that you're doing something that is harmful to you. And then doing it again. Like take it like people who go and binge on the weekends. They work all week. They don't drink all week. But they're working for the weekend. And man, they get to the weekend and drink themselves into a stupor. Uh, and then repeat. Some people until they're throwing up. Yeah. And they wake up the next morning with a huge hangover. They're sick. They feel like crap. There's recovery Sunday. And then they go back to work Monday. They work all week. They do the same exact thing the next weekend. It's a terrible thing to do to your body, and yet many people across the world do it every weekend. Do it every single weekend. Well, they also go on to talk about the fact that a lot of the times people backsliding Mm -hmm. has to do with they're more afraid of man than of God, Mm -hmm. which again goes back to ignorance and fear of the Lord and... Mm -hmm. And everything. Um, and then shame of religion. Mm-hmm. How did you take shame of religion? So to me, that would be... I mean, an extreme example would be being a Christian in a classroom or a group of atheists. And, You're ashamed of your faith. You're ashamed to be it quiet okay. because you don't want to be ridiculed. Okay. See, I I thought it was something else, and it's probably just because I latched on to the word shame mm-hmm. in religion. Yeah. I think of shaming. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of goes together. You're mm-hmm. talking about them being ashamed of it in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm talking about they look at religion as something that does nothing but condemn. And shame people for their sins. Mm -hmm. Which again makes them feel ashamed. I mean ultimately it is shamed. But that they're proud. And that they don't want to feel shame. Whether it's by church or by a group. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter. But that's why I wanted to ask you what you got out of it. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe I've read something lately that pointed me in that direction. I don't know. I just... Mm -hmm. 
you have instances of both nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, it it just kind of pointed me in that direction. I wanted your thoughts on it too, but they they also say that in the dialogue that guilt um, is something that they absolutely a backslider does not want. Mm-hmm. They don't want to feel it, so they run away from anything that could make them feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is with that is it's a catch twenty two if you're a Christian, yeah. if you're a Christian backslider. You're going to feel bad for ignoring your old friends Mm -hmm. if you haven't grown and learned Mm -hmm. and become less ignorant. But you're also going to feel bad if you sin and go to church and the pastor preaches on it. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, it's just constant running and no learning. Mm -hmm. So you can't get out of it. Well, the idea is like guilt is a useful tool. It's a useful I think it's more conviction. Because, yeah. It's not so much guilt. I think guilt is something that... If you've done something wrong, you should feel guilty for it. If you have any sense of morality, any sense of using God's wisdom over your own, and you do something that is wrong, that God says is wrong, you should feel guilty for it. I'm not saying that. And and that guilt that you feel should push you to not doing it anymore. See, I'm It can just... be a useful tool, but then you also have to understand that when you get to a point to where you're not doing that thing anymore, that, that thing that made you feel guilty, you should no longer feel guilty about it. Once you've repented and once you've moved past participating in whatever activity it was, uh, you shouldn't feel guilty about it anymore because you're not doing it anymore. See, that's why I think I'm trying to make the distinction from. Mm-hmm. Because the way I look at guilt mm-hmm. is I'm I'm trying to separate them out. Yeah. Because one is used of God, one is more used to bring up old things that you did in your past, make you yeah. feel bad, make you doubt your faith, make you... It's used mm-hmm. against you. Yeah. Not in a positive way to drive you forward. Mm-hmm. Conviction which makes you recognize what you've done wrong in your sin and Mm -hmm. things. That's kind of why I'm, I guess I'm trying to make the distinction Mm -hmm. because I don't, they are virtually the same feeling to us. I would think as humans, very close, but one can be used for us and one can be used against us. Okay. I would think, And it may just mean me trying to work it out in my head in a way that, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's hard, it's very hard to discern when you're being guilted to make, to make yourself feel bad about Mm -hmm. something you've already repented for, about something that you're working on, about whatever, Mm -hmm. to drive you down and drive you back. And then feeling bad when you've done something and then you recognize it because you've learned. Mm -hmm. Well, now I know it. I can repent for it. I can try to be different. I can do better. It's just, at least for me, those those are so close. They're so similar yeah. that it's hard to differentiate them. So for me, I'm trying to give a distinction yeah. to both. Yeah, well, you can have both for sure. You can have a guilt of something. You can feel guilty for something that you did wrong and a conviction to not do that thing again. That, that might be better. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I have a hard time because, I mean, some... 
nothing in life is simple. <laughs> no. So when I'm talking about these kinds of things for me, it's been when I'm reflecting and I'm reading and I'm praying. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the distinction in my mind going, are you convicting me of this? Or is am I being guilted mm-hmm. to drive me back in my faith? Like, do you see what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't, I can't associate the same word mm-hmm. for me with God doing something versus like, are you guilting me or is the, are they guilting me? Yeah. Like, so using the word conviction for me has helped mm-hmm. distinguish it, at least while reflecting on being better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this of you or is this of something that I need to ignore? <laughs> but... They they continue talking about backsliding. Mm-hmm. And like now we're picking up on the part of the conversation where they're talking about what it what it does and how it goes about and everything. Mm-hmm. So basically they're like, Well, you stop thinking and you stop growing and you stop being concerned about your relationship with God or with his judgment or with death when you start backsliding. Like mm-hmm. these are the points of how you end up being a full blown no longer care backslider Mm -hmm. so first you stop learning Mm -hmm. basically you stop learning and growing yeah well considering our earlier discussion it seems like most churches are breeding grounds for that now Mm -hmm. and then it's very easy to do it when you're not in a church because you don't have any form of learning if you're not doing it on your own yeah so basically in the west we're just a breeding ground for backsliding so Mm -hmm. check on number one (laughs) <laughs> us included that's why we're trying our best to do better mm-hmm. um, and then the number two you cast off the requirements and duties of God so you yeah. stop praying you stop reading you stop uh, tithing or you know mm-hmm. all of these things that he's asked you to do well there's another one that I mean that's pretty prevalent nowadays mm-hmm. um Number three, you don't really want the company of other Christians. Yeah. Why? Guilt. Mm Mm-hmm. So, there's that. Then number four, you stop really caring about what you're supposed to do for the public and the community. Helping others, helping your neighbor, being neighborly. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we don't even really live in full-fledged communities like we used to anymore. So knowing your neighbor now is a lot harder in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Then uh, you start trying to, they called it pick holes in the coat. Yeah. Of the godly. Mm -hmm. So you can just throw off religion. So this person, oh, they're so pious. Oh, they're so this or they're so that or... Mm -hmm. Man, they, they they say they are such good Christians, but they didn't go to church last Sunday. Mm-hmm. I know they didn't. I saw them cutting the grass. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're just you're trying to find a way. You're looking for something that they're doing wrong. Yeah. To justify what you're doing. What you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then probably the tipping point for me is this one is when you start befriending the world mm-hmm. and men of the world. Yeah. 
So you've already got distanced yourself from Christians. Mm. You're trying to find things wrong with people you know to be good Christians. Mm. And now you're being friends with worldly people. And then, of course, that gives way to, they called it carnal. I call it worldly mm-hmm. discussions in secret, you know, mm-hmm. off to the side. And, I mean, they happen all the time. Yeah. And then you start to play with little sins openly. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not worried about them. You're not afraid of them anymore. You don't feel the conviction from mm-hmm. your sins anymore yeah. for it to affect you. And then at that point, you've hardened your heart and you've shown your true colors to the world and to the community that you were a part of. And mm-hmm. if you don't fix it, you're going to perish. Mm-hmm. So, pretty heavy hitter there um, <laughs> for backsliding. Yeah. And, I mean, I just, I don't know. It scares me how many of these I've seen. It scares me that growing up, as I did with mm-hmm. with Christianity as prevalent in my life as I did, that I saw it, but I exhibited parts of those myself. Because there was a point where I was just so hardened to it. Mm-hmm. Not, not that I didn't believe, and I don't know if it was hardened, because I, I read and I prayed, but... There for a while, I got, it just made me sick. I was so, and I don't, they were, the the instances that I remember had to do with people that, I mean, and maybe I was picking holes in people's coats. I don't know mm-hmm. that these were people that I knew regularly. Mm-hmm. Not one-off, they didn't go to church on a Sunday or something when they claimed to be a particular way. But more of they were a particular way in church or they were a particular way in public Mm -hmm. and then in private. They were another. Mm -hmm. And they were the prominent speakers or they were the prominent people with music or Mm -hmm. whatever, depending on what stage in my life I was. And those were supposed to be my examples. Like, it made mm-hmm. me sick and it made me not want anything to do with it. Yeah. And then every time I've tried since, there's been some semblance of that. Mm-hmm. Still, no matter what denomination, no matter which which place I visited or went or... Mm-hmm. And I just... Eventually I got to the point and I'm like, I see why people just watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Or watch it on TV because you at least eliminate some of of that. Yeah. But at the same time, you're eliminating a place that you could potentially <clears throat> learn, a place where you could potentially have an accountability group, mm-hmm. or you could potentially have friends. Yeah. Then again, if they preach in Texas or <laughs> mm-hmm. or in Montana and you live on the east or west coast, you can't exactly go every weekend. Yeah. So that doesn't help. But, I mean, I really struggle. I still struggle with mm-hmm. with that. I don't have a problem with people saying I am a sinner and I am a horrible sinner. Mm-hmm. And I really stink at this. But I'm doing my best. That's humility. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's recognizing that you're on the path, but I screw up every day. I'm not here to, you know, mm-hmm. I want you to get there, so I'll hold you accountable. Yeah. But I'm not here to hit you upside the head when I decide that that particular sin is the one that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. But I, I want that, and I don't get that. Most of the time, I've met some wonderful people in lots of different churches and groups and Bible studies that we've tried out mm-hmm. that are good people like that. But especially within ministry, like within the hierarchy of ministries at, at places we've visited and tried to go, yeah. a lot of times it's not, they're not up there doing that. They're not yeah. ups- They're saying, I'm a sinner. I'm just as equal as you. Whatever. You, you have... One time we went to a place, and it was a stage with a showboat singer. Mm-hmm. We were there 30 minutes just for his concert. Yeah. Which did not help me or gain anything from that. Other than mm-hmm. anger at the fact that he was using this is a platform for his own self-glory and nobody's calling him on it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. That See, that's what irritates me. It's not the fact that someone would do that in church. I expect that. I expect that there will be people in churches that act that way. What I didn't expect is that exactly what you said. No one called him out on it. No one brought up the fact that he was being vain. No. Well, and we go to other churches and, I mean, these people were head over heels for their pastor. Who, we sit there and if I'm not about ready to have a headache and rub my temples because I can't stand to listen to him talk. Mm -hmm. He preaches on something or he uses the Bible as a reference point Mm -hmm. to talk about something totally different that doesn't have anything to do with it. And nobody knows. Nobody knows that. Nobody in the congregation knows. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they don't say. So I guess my bigger thing is that, just like you said, that is a huge thing, that nobody says anything in these churches. Mm -hmm. But that it's that common. Yeah. Because as we've said before, if you can't tell, we live in the Bible Belt. Yeah. From how we sound. <laughs> <laughs> so we've tried churches. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have been to a lot. There is one on every corner. But yeah, I don't know. I really have a... a it, I don't want to say a problem. It bothers mm-hmm. my heart. Yeah. To the point where I'm angry... And I don't want to be angry mm-hmm. about it, but it just baffles me. And the only thing that comes to my mind when when I feel that way is Christ flipping tables in the temple. Yeah. Because of what they were doing there mm-hmm. was not of God. It was demeaning to God. It was not honoring God. Mm-hmm. If you are not preaching the word, if you use it as a reference point and then turn 180 and say, 
well, this is what they were talking about, but in in my context, mm-hmm. this is what it's really about. This is what we can this is what we can take from it. Yeah. Really? What service are you doing to your congregation? Mm-hmm. Well, that's where you're where if you had read it. You would be able to call already, them out on it. If you knew it. And I'm not saying everyone can immediately be on the same level. No. Like, I totally understand. Like, it takes... A long time. This is a life journey. Yeah, just like Christians. you're going to be way further along 20 years from now than than you are right now, and so on and so forth. But if you knew the material ahead of time, Mm -hmm. if you were given that opportunity and you knew the material... Then you were like, oh, oh, okay, you're lying. Because anything that you add and anything that you take away, it's now a lie. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, is that if it's you have, false. if you have that going on, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you do know, and mm-hmm. you say nothing, mm-hmm. then what? Are you culpable? Yeah. I because, think you are. because you know that what they're saying isn't accurate or true, mm-hmm. or at best misguided, mm-hmm. and you say nothing, mm-hmm. and you allow it to continue in your church. Yeah, that is one thing that I will say. Most people just leave. Why do you think we've had so many people leave the church? Mm-hmm. They get tired of the showboating. They get tired of the hypocrisy. Yeah, and I can't say as I blame them. The only thing that I can say is, and that we're not even to this point, um, but we haven't found one where we think we could, at least I don't think we could, make it make an impact in this way. Christians that think like we do mm-hmm. leave, and then no longer get any sustenance. Yeah, we're yearning for something, and we're not getting it there. Mm-hmm. And we leave. We're not changing it. Yeah. I mean, we tried at the last one. Mm-hmm. We tried to to be a force and to have mm-hmm. opportunities for people. And nobody, nobody was interested. No, it's this idea. It's just this, it's the same idea that you have... Um, from a worldly perspective, like at your job, mm-hmm. oh, you don't know what you're talking about because you didn't go to school for what you're talking about. They want to make everyone wants to make this argument from authority, like, yeah. you know, if I'm if we're sitting here discussing a paper about sociology or biology, someone inevitably is going to go. Well, you don't really know what you're talking about because you're not a biologist. Well, no, I know enough to read a paper and know what it's talking about. To be able to discuss it. Yeah, to be able to discuss it. I'm not making a claim to be a biologist. Mm-mm. And we're not Bible experts. But we're doing it, the best yeah, we can I've with what we have. I've read this document. That there's tell me anywhere in the Bible that it says that I have to go to seminary. To be a good Christian. Or go to school. Or or to know what the Bible says. 
It just tells you that you're supposed to yeah. write these words on your heart and then to diligently teach them to your children mm-hmm. all day long. Pretty. Yeah. But someone will inevitably make that argument that you didn't go to school, so you don't know what you're talking about. Well, the problem with that is, is that I don't believe that. So that makes your argument invalid. Yeah. Well, it's just like we talked about they, accountability. Anyway. It's similar to accountability. That's yeah. why you have to have small groups mm-hmm. and why you're told that your church should be small groups. Yeah. Because if you're told something from somebody that you don't respect or yeah. know, mm-hmm. they call you out on something, whether or not they're right or wrong, mm-hmm. you're not going to look at it that way. Yeah. You're just going to go, I don't know who this person is, or I don't respect this person because of how they are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then it, it, you're not part of that account, accountability group. Mm-hmm. If you're not part of that accountability group, then nobody's going to take it seriously. Yeah. It's just like a family. You're going to take seriously something your spouse says more than you are somebody that sits three cubes down from you at your job that just started a week ago. Even if they called you out on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just because your spouse is going to know you and this person, three cubes down, that's been there a week, who may still be right, yeah. doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. So they're the authority with which they speak to you, they don't have mm-hmm. that authority and respect to do that yeah. from you. But, I mean, they discussed, <laughs> I, I find it, Interesting that they discussed ignorance and fear of the Lord and backsliding, all of which play into each other Mm -hmm. right here towards the end. Because the next thing that we hear is that they've come to the land of Beulah, which is a beautiful country. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. The sun shines day and night there. Mm -hmm. Um, And they could see the city. And there was just abundance everywhere. And there was abundance of not of necessarily just food, but of what they were seeking. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, considering you couldn't buy what they were seeking in Vanity Fair. Yeah. But it was in abundance there. Mm-hmm. Their souls were nourished and fed there. Mm-hmm. And that the gates, they could see, they were gold and pearls, and there were streets of gold, mm-hmm. and there were vineyards planted there and they ask about the vineyards and all oh, the king planted these. They planted them for him, they planted them for pilgrims. Just like you, you can go and eat of them all you want. Mm -hmm. This is his country. And then they come upon two, they call them shining ones, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Angels slash messengers kind of deal here. Celestial being, I guess. Um, And they started talking about where they were going, where they were from and everything. And they asked if the two shining ones would go with them. Mm -hmm. Because they told them, you've got two more things to do. Before you reach the city. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, can you come with us? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, we can go with you, but we can't help you. Yeah, It's up to you to do it. Mm-hmm. We can accompany you and help you with, you know, yeah, just not feeling alone. Yeah, I kind of felt like they were trying to amp them up and crap them, them, yeah. them up a little bit, you know. Because the next thing they come to is a river. And you can see that you can see that the city's right there, mm-hmm. but you have to cross the river. So, 
they can tell that the river is between them and the celestial city. Mm-hmm. They start looking around, as anybody would. It's this massive river. There's no bridge. There's no bridge. There's no way across. No. There's there's nothing that they can see, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, so guys, uh, is there any, how do you get across this thing? And they're like, you got to wade through it. Yeah. yeah and they're like, across. there's no other way. <laughs> And they're like, oh, there's one other way, but the only people that have ever taken it are Elijah and Enoch, at least until the end of days. So it's not really well-traveled, and I'm just like, yeah, no admittance. That's what they're saying, no admittance. You have one way. Like, we're telling you about this other way. You're not worthy of the other way. Just forget about the other way. you got to go through the river. Yeah. (laughs) Which, when you think about that, the things that they said... Mm -hmm. Those people did not die. They ascended to heaven. Yeah. So they were going through death. Mm-hmm. The river of death. Yeah. Is what they're going through. <clears throat> and so they start trudging along. And before they get in the water, they're like, how deep is it? Is it shallow? Is it deep? And they're like, it depends on your faith. Mm-hmm. Your faith in the Lord will determine how shallow or deep the water is. And of course, Christian and Hopeful wade in to death. Yep. And Christian starts sinking. Yep. He begins to sink. And he just can't handle it. <clears throat> and he is terrified and just starts doubting and spewing all of this crazy talk that you wouldn't expect from Christian at this point. Mm-hmm. Hopeful, of course, has found shallow waters being hopeful. Oh, yeah. Because he is hopeful. Mm -hmm. So now he is spending his time trying to keep Christian's hopes up. Yeah, he's just trying to keep his head above water. And his head above water. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he'll bob under and then come up half dead. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's about ready to just give up. He starts seeing evil spirits and he he starts basically, he, he sees all the fear and stuff that he's afraid of. Mm-hmm. More than he remembers all of the good that's happened mm-hmm. and all of the things that he's went through. And, you know, Hopeful's just kind of like, these doubts aren't because God has forsaken you. Mm-hmm. They're for you to be able to overcome and strengthen your faith. Yeah. And I love that part because whether or not a trial or something we go through is sent from God, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you subscribe to that or not, he can use whatever he wants for good mm-hmm. and for his glory. He can turn whatever you're going through into his glory. That does not mean that everything you go through will turn out good in your view. Yeah. You have somebody with big picture here. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of things that people can go through that that is a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, like I was talking about before, just think about Joseph. Yeah. Joseph... He gets sold into slavery by his own brothers. Mm-hmm. He becomes the head slave. Of, head slave of a household in Egypt. He's then betrayed again and thrown in prison. Becomes for doing head prisoner. Nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. No. And he gets thrown in prison. He interprets a couple of dreams because this is the gift that is given to him by God. And then 
becomes second only to Pharaoh. To Pharaoh, which gives him the ability to eventually, one save Egypt, and the rest of, presumably the Middle East from this drought. Yeah, and, and famine and this famine, and also bring his family to the land of Goshen where they prosper and become a nation of their own. Yeah. He thought, I'm sure, at the time... Where are you at? <laughs> what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. But it was happening for a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And... I just, I, I found that last, because it's so close to them getting, reaching their goal, mm-hmm. that it was kind of poignant. Yeah. The timing and everything of this particular bit of knowledge mm-hmm. about things you will go through. And then after, you know, this kind of thought pattern and epiphany, and Christian found his footing. Mm-hmm. And it was shallow from then on. And then they made it to the other side. Mm-hmm. And the two shining ones that were on the other side of the bank yep. were there. Yep, they're out on the other side. <laughs> so they don't have to wade through it. To greet them. Yeah. And they have mm-hmm. new garments when they come out of the river. They've yep. left all of the world behind them in the river, washed them, cleansed them, mm-hmm. ready to go. And I think that's another thing of symbolism in this. Mm-hmm. They were washed clean. Yeah. They were made clean and fresh and new. Mm-hmm. by going through the river of death. Because yeah. as we'll see, if you don't go through it, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You're not made new. Mm-hmm. It's a transition. Yeah. Well, see, I'm just, one thing that I have an irritation with is that as a Christian, we're suppo- we, we are supposed to have this hope for the world to come. Mm-hmm. Not this one. No. Not this one at at all. The one for the world to come is the one that we're supposed to have hope for. Mm -hmm. And yet, death is something that no one hardly ever wants to talk about. It is an absolutely necessary thing. It's Mm -hmm. going to happen to everyone. Whether you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter happens to everyone and yet most Christians still have this bleak outlook on what it is I think that comes from I don't I don't I didn't live hundreds of years ago so I don't know how they preached all the Mm -hmm. time but at least in my lifetime and what I've heard and read from the one, the generation before. And I don't know if this started when the once saved, always saved stuff kind of came around Mm -hmm. or about. They stopped preaching and teaching that you are working to be less sinful. You are working to live a repentant life that is an example to others. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you will be rewarded mm-hmm. with heaven by coming to your faith and then living a repentant life as Christ has asked you to do mm-hmm. and spread the good news. 
that's not so much what it is. They started teaching you need to be saved from hell. Yeah. So now you have this very prominent, scary thing Mm -hmm. that if you aren't careful, you fall into when you die. Mm-hmm. So, they 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 preach on the end more of which nowadays you don't even have a whole lot of that. Yeah, there's no fire and brimstone so much. Yeah, but that was a thing for a while. So much mm-hmm. so that we call it that fire and brimstone preaching. Yeah. to where they were preaching on death and hell. You yeah. want to avoid that. Yeah, but they quit preaching about how you avoid it. Yeah. They just condemn people for sins Mm -hmm. and not teach them morality and how to be moral people. Mm -hmm. Because the ultimate thing is you you realize Christ did this for you and you recognize it. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what? Go and spread the good news. Go and spread the good news of what you found and work to be as sinless as possible. Mm -hmm. Help your neighbor spread the word. Love others as unconditionally as you can. Mm -hmm. And to the best of your ability, repent when you screw up, learn when you screw up, and from when you screw up. Mm-hmm. Pray, read the Bible. I mean, it's really not as difficult as yeah. it's made out to be. Yeah. But they don't preach on that. They, there's the sinner's prayer, or raise Mm-mm. your hand, or whatever, and now you're saved. Okay, let's go dunk you. You've displayed that you are now part of our church, and that you are baptized, yeah. and now... You don't want to go to hell. Like yeah. that that's that's the steps. Mm-hmm. Nobody can get comfortable with their faith mm-hmm. or grow their faith yeah. to where they can reassure themselves because everybody's gonna doubt. Mm-hmm. Doubt is a very useful tool yeah. for in a Christian's life especially. Mm-hmm. Are you really saved? Did you really not sin? Did you really not think about it? Did you yeah. really you know? Mm-hmm. Doubt is a very useful tool against us. Mm-hmm. Would you know that if you don't read it and learn it? Because you're not taught it a lot now. No. So I think that's where it comes from now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it anything unknown, mm-hmm. fully understood, has some bit of fear to it. Anything without proof. Or uncertainty. Yeah, I, w- I would say I would I would one step that and say anything without proof. I don't know because that our it's so lives, much that our lives revolve around our worldly lives revolve around proof, proof of this, proof of that, and to me, like it, it even says like those who aren't actively seeking life mm-hmm. are already dead. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I would I don't know that I would say that for everyone in every instance. Mm. Because some people it's a fear of on this side. Mm-hmm. Like will it be painful? Will it be hard? Will it be this? Mm-hmm. Do I put my family into hardship? Will my family be okay? Yeah. Well, you know, you have all of these other things mm-hmm. that can contribute to a person's fear and yeah. depending on whatever it is that brought them to fearing it at that particular moment. Mm -hmm. It could be any number of them. Yeah. So, but I think largely the biggest fear is there 
because we've shifted away from how you're supposed to live as a Christian and being taught how to live as a Christian morality and how we believe and what you're supposed to do for the reward of heaven yeah. and his presence mm-hmm. and serving him for eternity to butts and seats, money and plates. Yeah. You, I need a hand raised. I need a person dunked this month for our Facebook Live video. You know, I want to have at least three people up here. I want to have a band. I want to have all this. Now, I got to make them scared. I got to keep them coming. Yeah. Well, they got to be afraid of something. And I'm not, by no means am I trying to say that pastors act that way all the time. I'm not saying that's the pastor. Mm -hmm. But someone influences or something influences the pastor to say, well, we we really need to do a a sermon on hell this week, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. And there may be somebody that it's beneficial for. Who knows? I, I definitely think that it's something that should be talked more about. But they don't talk and about death as just a transitional yeah. phase. And that if you're saved, if well, they, you've come to salvation, yeah. and you are doing what you're supposed <clears throat> to do, mm-hmm. I know you'll have doubts about it. That's okay. Go read, go pray when you have them. Mm-hmm. This is what it says you're to do. For a good moral life. This is what Christ tells you to do throughout your life. Mm-hmm. These are your examples here. Read the Bible, you know. Mm-hmm. And you will reap the rewards of heaven as they go on to do. It's said that they reap they will reap the rewards mm-hmm. of their life. Mm-hmm. That's not how most of the time it's just preaching on how Jesus loved. Mm-hmm. people nowadays well that's great but he also loved people by telling them by holding them accountable mm-hmm. we don't talk about that yeah. which means we don't talk about how to hold each other accountable for sin and help each other not sin mm-hmm. we don't talk about the fact that or or teach on recognizing your own sin and your mm-hmm. shortfalls and helping others do that. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no building yeah. towards heaven. Yeah. There's just jumping from now you're saved to we'll talk about Jesus every week and him loving the world in, in just an affirmative. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while we'll talk about hell. Yeah. Maybe. Nowadays yeah. not so much. I mean that's how it was. I, I think that's the kind of thing that got us to the thought process of that we're at now with yeah, death. Yeah, in part, yeah. yeah. Because it's it's been used as something to fear. It's the step mm-hmm. to something that you could Yeah, it's been it's been talked about more as the end of this of this life rather than the beginning of the next. The beginning of the next. And the reward for yeah. finding salvation. Mm-hmm. And all the positive that yeah. goes with that. Mm-hmm. It is a necessary thing that everyone who has ever lived and will ever live will go through, period. It happens to everything that exists on this earth. The difference is it can either be the end of your life or or the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it depends on the viewpoint. We, you don't have a whole lot of discussion about like heaven in depth. 
Mm-hmm. And you don't have a lot of discussion about... Like, I've heard sermons about, you know, Christ and this, you know, good Samaritan. This is how you're to be a good, a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I need to take care of my sick neighbor. Well, I don't have a sick neighbor or a neighbor that got beat up. So now what? Yeah. Like, see. you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they only use those. Do they preach on Christ going in there and flipping tables? Eh, yeah. not so much. Yeah. Do they... Well, that's the thing, like you were saying, like they don't teach, like they, they teach how you should treat your neighbor, but they don't tell you who your neighbor is. Yeah. See, and then when Christ is being questioned by the Pharisees, when they're testing him, they say, how, you know, how do you treat your neighbor? And then he says, <clears throat> and they go, well, who is your neighbor? Those who you treat neighborly the people that you treat as your neighbor are your neighbors yeah. it's not necessarily the people that are living adjacent to you yeah it's everyone <laughs> so he extends that mm-hmm. which he does a lot of yes you know, but there's but, there's just but that's not you know I read something about pastors some pastors trying to preach um, verse by verse now. Mm. I don't know if that means they're going from Genesis all the way oh, all the way through the Re- Revelation, oh. or if they mean like book books at a time. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great a great thing for some pastors to be doing mm. um, because I think it's just just like we're talking about. It's, <clears throat> it's depending on the times mm-hmm. what becomes important to preach on. Yeah, and at some time in the not too distant past, hell became a big thing, which ties to death. Mm-hmm. So much so that we coined the term "fire and brimstone pastor." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, in a, in a worldly context, you at the same time that disappears, you're also dead in the middle of the Cold War. And there's this constant looming threat of nuclear war. Yeah. And the in the literal end of the world. Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very easy to see how principalities at work mm-hmm. use the circumstances in the world to influence mm-hmm. a major swath of yeah. of people. To it, it became a fear tactic, mm-hmm. and Christ didn't win people by fear. But yeah. I mean, I know this was a bit of a rabbit hole, but it's it's hard to pin down yeah. exactly. You know, the generation before that, most of the men faced death at least once if not multiple times mm-hmm. so it's very easy to see that becoming afraid of death you have one of two options you either will end up probably more afraid of death or not afraid at all mm-hmm. considering what all they had seen yeah so i mean you can't just pin it on one i guess yeah. but you can definitely see throughout history and church history where it was influenced by 
nefarious forces. Yeah. And although they were more than likely trying just to do good, you can still be trying to do good and not necessarily be doing good. Yeah, you can you can certainly have an admirable purpose, an admirable goal mm-hmm. and commit absolutely terrible atrocities in the pursuit of that goal. Oh yeah, there's lots of people that have done mm-hmm. that throughout general history. Mm-hmm. Well, and you could even say that of people that subscribe to a prosperity gospel. They're looking to prosper people. Yeah. In a godly way in their viewpoint. So, mm-hmm. they're not doing anything wrong. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. At, at least some of them. I'm not saying all of them. No. <laughs> some of them are out to make money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's all. But, I mean, some people subscribe to their own brand of crazy. Yeah. And they believe that what they're doing is good. and mm-hmm. Everyone is the hero of their own story. That's true. They are. And that's very dangerous. Yes. So back to what we were actually talking about. (laughs) So they've made it out of the river and they're walking up the hill, which doesn't tire them out, Mm -hmm. to the city and the gates. And they're being told, you know, you'll be comfortable, you'll be healed, you'll serve God all the rest of eternity. Mm -hmm. You will sit and judge with him. You will fight the last battle with him. You know, and, and then... They make it to the gate, and they're asked who they are and a series of questions and things, Mm -hmm. and they provide their certificates, which are taken to the king, Mm -hmm. who opens the gates and welcomes them in. So Christian and Hopeful make it into the city at the end of this journey, Mm -hmm. which I think we were all expecting. (laughs) No twist ending there, right? Mm -hmm. The twist comes with the fact that that's not the very end of the story. Yep. Because as Bunyan puts it, because this is all in a dream and he's he's watching it, mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of Scrooge and the Christmas Carol. Yeah. Um, he turns around mm-hmm. and trodden up the hill comes ignorance. Mm-hmm. So somehow ignorance made it. Come to find out, ignorance went over the river. Yep. He found him a ferryman by the name of Vain Hope. Mm -hmm. So he didn't go through death. He didn't go through the river. He wasn't Mm -hmm. transfigured. He wasn't transformed, washed clean, nothing. Mm -hmm. So he's in the same rags and whatnot that he started in. Yeah. And then... He goes and knocks on the gate. Mm-hmm. People at the gate kind of look over at him, like, who are you? They ask him questions and whatnot. He doesn't give the right answers. And they asked about a certificate. He doesn't have one. So when the king is told that he's there, he says, I don't know him. Mm-hmm. Don't open the gate. And then he sends the two shining ones again out mm-hmm. to him. And... They bind him mm-hmm. and take him back to the door in the hill that was basically a shortcut to hell. Yep. And the thing to me that Bunyan said at the end that struck me was that I learned that day that even at the gates of heaven, 
Mm-hmm. There's still a door to hell. Yeah. And that's just kind of mm-hmm. stops you in your tracks. And then he's like, and then I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the and end of my up. story. But mm-hmm. I have thoroughly enjoyed discussing Pilgrim's Progress. It took way more than I expected to yeah. discuss Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> And this isn't even the second part of Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, this is just part number one. But I think it's safe to say we yeah. want to get back into the Word and helping people yeah. uh, read along with us and read the Word for themselves. Mm-hmm. And and I do not want to be a workbook for people. I, let me no. preface that. We are not workbooks. We want our discussion to just kind of give you an idea of what you could do at home mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. Community and accountability group, a Bible study group. Yep. And we would love to be part of that and discuss it along with you. So we're going to get back to that at least for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll eventually do the second part with Christiana mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but with this being the end, mm-hmm. if you would like to read the book and you somehow have managed to not read it, <laughs> While mm-hmm. listening to all of these episodes, there are links to every possible version of it in the description. Um, there's a link to the new animated movie that came out that is fantastic. Um, and they are doing fantastic work. Um, uh, feel free to check any of those out. There are Amazon affiliate links. So that means that if you want to support the show, just click on one of those links and do your Amazon shopping. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to buy what's through that link. Um, and then Amazon pays us a commission with no cost to you guys, which we really love. Um, we may or may not be toying with getting a YouTube channel up and running. Stay tuned for that. But there are links to our Facebook and Instagram page in the description mm-hmm. if you want to check us out. Um, I guess this will be pretty much the end of my John Bunyan uh, images yeah. and quotes coming up soon. I have a couple left, so it'll be a few days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... uh I think that pretty much covers everything. We would love to hear from you guys. Um, Reach out to us on social media. And I guess that's the end of Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. So until next time, keep wandering through the word, Pilgrims. Mm